Hello and welcome to the Wild Wormhole, where much like the card, you never know what you're going to get. I'm your host, D-House, here with Jay Bray, Jim Braden. What's up, Jim? Hello, hello. Great to be here. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It means yeah. a lot that you would feel so warm about being here. Yeah, we've been playing lots of Key Forge. Now we get to talk lots of Key Forge, so I'm excited. Yeah, we've been we've been doing a lot of YouTube content, or I should say, I've been doing a lot of YouTube content. Uh, we've been streaming a little bit, um, but it, it's it always feels good to get back uh, and record a podcast. It's my roots. Yeah, it's like our it's our bread and butter. You know, we we pretended to play competitively for a little bit. We uh, showed us some games that we played, and now we back to what we know well. So this is good. Heck yeah! All right, well, let's just dive right in. Our main topic for this particular episode is recapping our Shadow Worlds experience uh, a week later. Uh, but before we get there, let's let's talk. What else, KeyForge endeavors? What what else, KeyForge, have you been up to? Yeah. So right now, there's a lot of excitement about the new Mass Mutation set. So for me, with KeyForge, um, I have been able to play a pretty good amount. Uh, tried the new decks out, which has been really fun. But for me, it's just kind of going through the new card list and trying to figure out the fun new combos just before we see any gameplay. Um, just to yeah, kind of scour scour the web a little bit and figure out what these new cards are all about, what these new houses are. And uh, I think we'll get into that a little bit later, which I'm excited about, but that has definitely been my focus for Keyforge. What about yourself? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we got to the end of Shadow Worlds and I was so, I thought I'd be exhausted and done with Keyforge for a while, but it was like the exact opposite. I was like, I want more. Like I want to play <laughs> new decks and try new things and finally got to try one of the, new mass mutation decks on TCO against you yesterday, but also been just loving all the spoilers. We got to see a spoiler. Um, uh, also just been playing like random other decks in my collection uh, for fun. I actually did uh, join in uh, Archon's Corner. has been doing some, some daily quarantine tournaments and I hopped in one of those and yeah. uh, it was uh, like effective power of your deck has to be over 150 or something crazy. <laughs> um so played uh played our chloe deck um which was uh fun because I, I didn't have a ton of experience on that team deck uh but it was fun ended up ended up getting second made a couple Very mistakes nice. but um but yeah and then also we so we we were in this group chat with a lot of like local guys who i, I think it's fair to say like primarily play in person and casually i don't know if that's feels fair to say but i feel like when we're playing, when we have opportunities to play in, in person, that's they're all about it. But they haven't really made the venture to online. But uh, we convinced them to uh, to do a little league tournament with just the local guys um, who are basically all learning how to play online at the same time. And so we just launched that uh, yesterday, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, me too. It'll be fun just to play with some local guys again. Like you said, we used to all play, you know, every week in person. Obviously, with current times, it's uh, not possible right now, but that's okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been a fun thing to kind of get started up again and kind of get that local excitement back running. Yep. I uh, So, we, we put a SAS limit on it as well. Like, some of the guys have limited um, collections so we thought man that's just a great way to even out the field and so it's like a 70 sass limit it's gonna be a four round thing with 10 guys um and i'm don donating some of my decks uh to the top three whoever 
that ends up being. Um, and I just think it'd be so fun to get more more of these guys playing online and jamming some games with us. Um, so I don't have to just beat you all the time. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad that YouTube finally has one uh, evidence of me beating you in a game. But yeah, uh, get you some different competition, you know. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. And so yeah, I mean that was such a good idea, and I think something a lot of guys can do for their own communities just to put something together online. Uh, I think we just use Challenge for that, and it was it pretty easy to set up and get. Oh, so easy. So easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Once so, I figured out how to open registration for the whole group, because for a while I was, it was just me and they couldn't register and that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people are just looking for something to do right now. So just something casual like that. I mean, like you said, we got, you know, 10 guys to sign up just instantly. So uh, anybody else kind of looking for their local community, I think that's a great opportunity to get started there. So great job. Yeah. And I'm excited. I got, uh, I what, so wanted to support my local game store and did some curbside pickup and got a uh, a new Worlds Collide deck that it's like a 65 SAS um, Star Alliance Saurian disc thing that just looks really fun. And I was like, this is perfect. I've never played this, and this is a great chance to, like, yeah, just throw it on the table and, and, and play online. So I'm excited about that. But as we mentioned, we had a ton of mass mutation spoilers. In fact... Um, I think we almost have all of them. Maybe there's like, I thought I heard there was like, maybe like 22 cards that hadn't been seen yet. Yeah. 22 is the number that I have. Um, okay. so a lot of shadows left a couple, a few discs as well. And then uh, I think some sanctum we're still waiting on. Um, so I think those are the three main houses that we don't have full spoilers for. Yeah. Dude, your Google, your Google sheets with all the deck, all the cards <laughs> and your comments on each card. I mean that, that was like next level preparation right there yeah it's pretty much like you got a sneak peek into my mind as far as like how i operate <laughs> when new sets come out and i just get so excited to try to beat the rush for the uh five times five eddie deck so uh <laughs> dave cordero i'm coming for you on that race this round <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder what dave's looking at right now i would love to get a <laughs> sneak peek behind there but um, so instead of focusing on all the mass mutation spoilers, cause there's a million of them, like I said, our main topic is going to be shadow worlds and we don't want to make a, we don't want to do a two hour episode. Um, so instead let's just both talk briefly about what, what mass mutation spoiler has you excited? Sure. Sounds good. Um, why don't you start? Yeah. What are you thinking about? Awesome. Uh, so mine, I'd actually tweeted about it, but it's a dis artifact called Eaton's jar. Eaton's jar. It's a, uh, it's a rare, and it says play. Name a card until Eaton's jar leaves play. Cards with that name cannot be played. Meaning interesting. Meaning all your little like combo decks could be in trouble if you don't have some artifact control. So, oh, I see. Oh, you got that double Martian generosity deck. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I'm gonna put an embargo on that real quick. No generosity for you, or now the one, the one, the double sided is it's it's not just your opponent, it's any of them. So I was saying you could ban Infernus, but in a disc deck you might have some Infernuses that you couldn't play then. Um, but Infernuses, routine jobs. Uh, I mean, basically you look at their deck list at the start of the game, and what's the thing I'm most scared about? Um, oh, they have one. 
TMTP, okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead and ban your too much protect since you don't have any, uh, since you don't have any artifact control. Um, so I love it. What do you think about it? Um, I also love this card. I think more so for tournaments than anything else. Um, I just think about tournament play and how a lot of times it is very combo based or they have kind of one gimmick that they do. Um, obviously sometimes you just have those crazy decks that can just rush you down no matter what they play. But, uh, I mean, think about, you know, Martian generosity, that card's just gone. Like you said, it's just, it's such a good tool to just block your opponent. I, I think it is control the weak level like power. Um, and the fact that it's a permanent effect, it's not like a, just for the next turn you can't play your one broken card. Um, it's much more limited in scope, but I think the fact that it does last the entirety that the artifact is out there, that that's either mandatory to have or serious artifact hate uh, is going to be pretty mandatory to have. So I, yeah. I love the card. I think the control that it offers, again, could potentially be on like control the weak level. Um or restring gun to see even where it just you know completely stops what you're trying to do. So I I think yeah great pick such a cool like control like mess with you card and right in this is wheelhouse. Yep, and there is a lot. There does seem to be a lot of like uh, artifact hate in this particular set. So you know maybe it's not as great against other mass mutation decks, but some of the old decks. Man, it's like you don't have Poltergeist, you don't have uh, Hawk, you know, some of these these, these other guys. Uh, you could be, <laughs> yeah, you could set yourself up for pretty strong plays. So um, I do I do love cards that reward skill and, like, you know, that, that two minutes before each match when you look at their, their card for you to be able to, like, evaluate and look at potentially their lines of play and then cut it off. At like in you know important moments, um, I think is really cool. So I like it. Yeah, I think a new meta is going to be have a deck with two of these in there. So the first one you get rid of the card that they have that's busted. Second one you get rid of their artifact eight. <laughs> there you go. It's it's potential there. I kind of like it. You figured it out. <laughs> All right, what's your card? So the card I'm picking, which is going to be no surprise to you because I was raving about this thing when I saw it. It's a Logos card called the Archivist. And the Archivist is a three-power cyborg creature. It is a rare. And it says, if you archive the Archivist, archive it face up. So normally they're face down. Even though you can cycle through them, it'll be face up so your opponent knows that it's in there. Um, But while the Archivist is in your archives, instead of picking up all of your archives you may choose to pick up any number of cards in your archives. So that was a lot of the word archives, similar to like EE on the frame. <laughs> like has the like this card a million times in there. Yeah. Um, but I just think this card is so sweet. To me, it's the idea of you're almost playing with two different hands. You have your archives, which you can put away. And looking through the logo set, there's a lot of opportunities to archive cards from just the commons, the uncommons. They have a lot in there. So to me, I, I think the first thing I said to you was, I am so glad Eddie 4x4 isn't in this set because of all the archive potential. <laughs> but then just on top of that, just to be able to just pick and choose specifically what you want, you know, you can just throw things in there for fun at this point just because you can just cycle your deck as quickly as you can. I mean, all Logos is this round is just draw, archive, and it just cycles everything. So the fact that you can... Uh, it, 
if, if technically if you get to the point of you could have everything archived and just start you know picking and choosing what you want your hand to be each turn it can just get crazy and where artifacts have a lot of like artifact hate there's not as many archive of hate obviously you have teen tadlin you have desania i think are the two major ones that i can think of but there's not that much that strictly targets messing with the opponent's archives so to me, it's just such a cool card to just be able to manipulate the game, play out of you know your normal hand and cycle through that as well as your archives. The card just seems amazing to me. I think the first combo I mentioned to you was the uh, Ultra Graviton or Ultra Graviton with the Archivist because that card is their uh, it's their like ultra creature uh, and it just says play archive the top five cards of your deck and I was like. Ooh big brain like oh my gosh this card's insane you can archive your whole deck this is crazy so i just got so excited about it and that hype has not diminished at all for me yeah that's uh that's pretty great i think um it's gonna be one of those where you can't you're not gonna be able to like scan a deck list that you open and say oh i have the archivist this is gonna be amazing because you have to have a way like you you have to have other cards to do it right like it, it can't archive itself and so it's going to be very dependent on, like, deck list and stuff like Sloppy Lab work. Is it in there? You know, is it, uh, uh, what's the Shadows one? Hidden Stash. I don't even know if those cards are reprinted. But, yeah. um, but it, you know, if if you can unlock it, like, wow, that's, that's going to be <laughs> great. But I could see a deck with the Archivist uh, being disgusting if you have the right stuff out there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, completely agree. And I, I feel like there aren't as many Amber Pips on Logos cards this round, which is probably for the oh. best with how quickly they can cycle. Yeah. Uh, but just the speed that it offers, you know, if you have those paired with two pretty gross houses, I mean, it'll just get nasty quick. So I'm excited about it. Yep. I love it. Sweet. I love it. So, yeah, that was just a little taste of Mass Mutation for you guys, just a couple cards that we've been excited about. If you all want to look at the rest of the list, we just go to dexakeyforge.com, and if you do slash spoilers, it actually has the entire set list that uh, has been spoiled so far. So if you want to go check that out, kind of get a little ahead of the game, absolutely check it out. It's that free resource for you guys, um, and it's awesome to kind of get excited about new Keyforge. That's right. Sweet. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive on in. Our main topic, uh, Team yeah. Wormhole, went to... Uh, the Shadow Worlds event, which if you're listening to this, you probably know. But if in case you don't, uh, obviously the real-life worlds couldn't happen this year because of the virus. And uh, so a new team uh, emerged. Uh, KIP, also known as Knowledge's Power, got together and basically created a server uh, to play Keyforge online with great co- you know capabilities for hosting tournaments. And so um they you know ran a bunch of qualifiers and other things and then and then opened up basically the exact same format as real worlds where you come with a team of three and you have to qualify to to play and then one of your guys plays um archon solo one of your guys plays archon adaptive and one guy plays archon triad and um and it's six rounds of swiss and then uh cut to top 16 the next weekend so um yeah, so we we so first of all, before we get into like our experience, number one, huge shout out to Kip, 
Um, they did a phenomenal job preparing for this, executing it. There was so much hype. I feel like it like revived so many people's interest in Keyforge during this weird time. And we, as a community, owe them a debt of gratitude uh, for all they did. And um, a couple days after Shadow World was, was done, they announced that they were going to be closing up shop and closing down their site just because it, it literally, I was talking to some of them, said it turned into like a 20 to 40 hour per week job uh, for them. And that's not even like playing Keyforge. That's just like organizing Keyforge for other people. So, um, so they shut down, and I'm grateful for them. You know, I, I, especially like for me personally, as someone who's been a content creator for multiple games, like I feel that tension a lot of like, hey, tonight, like we could record a podcast or we could play like three games. And then instead of editing and getting this posted, we could play another couple games. And so, like, a lot of times you have to sacrifice playing games to do content for other people. And it's just, it just, it's hard. It's a grind. It's like, we all do this because we love the game. We're not doing it for money because we don't make any. In fact, most of us lose money. And I know Kip loses money. Um, or they lost money. So anyways, I just want to start with a huge shout out to them. Huge thanks to them. Yeah, completely agree. Want to echo that as well. I mean, everything that they did, everything, like all the work they put into it. I think they got mostly positive reviews and they deserve every positive accolade they could ever receive. Just exactly like you just said. I just want to echo that with all of the work that they put into it. I mean, huge success. Can't wait to get into a little bit more of a breakdown of that. But just even through the whole event, just how positive all of them were, just how uh, excited they were through the whole tournament, just to, you know, have other people excited about competitive Keyforge, um, the extra work they did to cast games get judges to officiate everything i mean they did it really really well so huge hats off to those guys yeah definitely yeah they literally like the only hiccup was like the first day there were some server issues and they did all these like tests on the server and it was fine and then all of a sudden game started and the and the server had a bunch of issues that delayed the tournament by um i don't know 45 minutes an hour or something like that but honestly like Come on. I mean, it was, two, it was 75 teams, 225 people playing all at once and uh, literally starting games at the same time. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think 98% of the people were like, hey, this is to be expected. And then there were a few bad apples who complained profusely. But um, honestly, like people were just super friendly and made me super proud of this community. And it's like, man, I, I love Keyforge. And I love the people that play Keyforge. Yep, completely agree. Yeah, like you said, it was just a couple little hiccups. I think it was most people that were just reasonable expected it. You know, just we'd never tried anything like that with all those people online at the same time. It's like you just kind of roll with it. Um, and so, yeah, even people who were kind of mid-game two or three in that first round, for the most part, it was fine. You just started it over, no big deal. Um, and, yeah, once you got past those couple bad apples, like you said, I mean, it was it was great. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so we, uh, going into this experience, like our team specifically, like you and I have been playing Keyforge, and our buddy Kevin, who also goes by Seven Hog, he's hopped on stream with me, um, couldn't make it on this, but he, he, I mean, he'd been jamming a ton of Keyforge, and it, we just sort of like became a three man team, like pretty quick. Yeah, it was very funny. It was like, well, I guess we play Keyforge, and now nah, we're not that great, but we'll have some fun, see what happens. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to kind of get into the breakdown. Just hilarity ensued, and uh, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah, Dave, what what uh 
for you, how was your gameplay experience? What did that look like? Well, I don't. First, let's get into like how we decided roles and decks before we sure. get into gameplays. So yeah, so we yeah so well first of all we had to qualify um because we didn't we hadn't like gotten our ticket at prime or anything so we we played in the qualifier events uh qualified with um my good old cartier the type purse deck who i love um in the uh, archon solo event and then we had to figure out like okay so now that we're qualified who who's doing which uh variant not format variant and uh and what decks are we gonna play and uh and so we we talked about it and landed on kevin doing archon solo you're doing archon adaptive and i'm doing archon triad and i i i'll i won't speak for you but for me i really wanted to play triad because i get super bored playing the same deck over and over and over and over and over like some of these guys you see their stats on the crucible they have like 800 games with like one deck and i'm like i don't know how they do that uh, because I get so bored, and so for me personally, it was like totally like play style preference. Like I'd rather be switching up decks constantly and playing new games. That's what I love about Keyforge. So, um, so anyway, so I kind of you guys were okay with it, and uh, yeah, how, you want to talk about how you ended up on Adaptive? Yeah, definitely. So I think we always knew uh, our deck uh, Bayou Overlord, which is the uh, Sorry and Key Charge deck. That was always going to be our uh, Archon solo deck. So it's kind of who wanted to play on that. And so I think me on adaptive was really who's the most comfortable, I guess. Um, by no means would I consider myself a good or great adaptive player per se, but I, I was fine to do it. And I was just kind of rep some games with uh, change just to kind of get a feel for that. And um, so, yeah, it really just kind of came down to Kevin had been playing Bayou overlord. He'd been playing it really well. Um, definitely took a lot of paths that I didn't even consider. So I felt we felt confident with that, and he was excited to play it. And the uh, thing I liked about Adaptive was I could take the deck that I was most comfortable with, not necessarily my best deck, um, and just run with it. And so I grew to love the format the deeper I got into the tournament. Um, just to figure out the decks on the fly, uh, get an idea for how to play the opponent's deck when we swapped and uh yeah just trying to figure out that perfect strategy for chains which i can now confirm after playing this format that there is not like a table that you can just use um <laughs> there's tools that are helpful as far as i won by this many uh like amber pips or uh keys and that kind of gives you an idea for what to bid but every game was just different and i think the first thing i noticed in the earlier rounds was people didn't bid enough chains and then in the later rounds where, you know, most of the players were really good at adaptive, um, it, it mattered way more about the deck list rather than how much you won by. Um, so, yeah, I'll get into a little bit more uh, when we talk about the gameplay of that. But that was kind of my excitement for adaptive that honestly developed throughout the tournament. So, Well, and I'll add this, too. I think, um, I think from my perspective, we kind of felt like you're the best at evaluating specific matchups um and how the matchups work and like specifically how your deck interacts with another deck for me and triad like i had to ban a deck but a lot of it was i'm because i don't know what deck they're going to ban in mind so a lot of it's like looking at deck lists and be like okay i really don't want to play against this like quadruple routine job deck or this five eddie deck or this quixel stone 
triple Kirby deck. Like, like there were a lot of, uh, a lot of like easy calls on that, but I think adaptive, um, is really, really tough. And so we kind of threw you in there and I think you chose the right deck for it. Um, you want to talk about your deck for adaptive? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to bring that up. So I brought uh, a deck I've talked about on here quite a few times called a Maya F Zot spike, the last, um, and it's a like low seventies rated age of Ascension deck. Um, AOA. AOA. So yeah, that was, <laughs> I feel like the two uh, biggest winners of this whole tournament was team SAS's, uh, you know, team that won the whole thing and also AOA decks. Cause those things showed out and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I brought, I brought my Amaya deck and the thing that I love about it is it's clunky a lot of games, but it just always has an answer. It's like every card you throw down does something powerful. Um, so it's a little counterintuitive to normal Keyforge games where you kind of want to play as efficiently as possible, get the most out of everything, just go, go, go. This one plays back a little bit. It's kind of answering what your opponent does. And so I think because it's a little bit more counterintuitive, it's tougher to play. Um, sometimes you kind of lose track of your answers or what you still have available. Um, but I like it just, I've, I have so many reps on it that I just kind of can always keep in my head, you know, what Amber control do I still have left? Um, you know, how can I push Amber if it's a treasure map, a swindle, things like that. Um, and it's, it's just a little bit awkward. It doesn't have any archiving ability outside of sucker punch, which just archives itself. Um, so yeah, you just have to kind of always keep an eye for like what cards you have left, what's still available, things like that. So if you have reps on it, it's easy. If you don't, it's difficult. Um, and yeah, I think that played really well into uh, this tournament. So yeah, and I the funny part is I was I was looking at like the deck breakdown for sets in each in each uh, variant, and AOA was actually the number one played set in Archon Adaptive. Um, oh yeah. Ranging anywhere from like sixty SAS to like seventy six or something like that, um, which yeah, which is so funny because again in in adaptive and you know this it's like the one format where you don't just bring like the best deck like you can you absolutely can, but there's other ways to play it. Um, so it's like even if you're a, if you're a player out there and you know you think oh Keyforge is play to win well you can bring a a mediocre deck bring it to an adaptive thing and just be a really smart player and walk out on top because you know how to pilot your deck or you know how to pilot someone else's deck on you know on a whim and uh it's just crazy adaptive stresses me out personally like i hate it i i i want to love it but it just personally stresses me out (laughs) i would say i love it now there's nothing better than getting a 2-0 victory in adaptive just being able to win with your deck and then swapping and then being able to beat that deck that they just lost to. I mean, it's sweet. Yeah. The but chain the chain, part of it, the chain bidding aspect. Stresses, uh, that's what stresses me out. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know this is, <laughs> there's yeah. so much that goes into that, but AOA, I think was definitely the right call for adapted. Just there's so many weird combos and strategies that I think because we don't see them as much in other tournament formats, uh, you almost forget that they exist. I mean, I think Martian Generosity was in so many decks, which is like, if you have a Martian Generosity deck, you know how to play it. If you don't, it's this foreign language of like, well, I'm at five Amber. Do I draw 10 cards? Do I try to forge a key? What's the, it's just so many decision points that 
just if you don't have the reps on them, you just you can't know it inherently. So you ha- kind of have to guess, fumble your way through it, and try to figure it out faster than your opponent can figure out your strategies. So yeah, um, yeah, it's cool. But anyway, I want to hear about your uh, your triad uh, journey. I'll call it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because a journey it was. So yeah, so starting with like decks, um, we always knew like there was one deck that. I knew I'd play, and that's Cartier the Tight Purse. I've had this; it's a Coda, like hyper control deck uh, with um, with Dis and Mars and Shadows and double Miasma. Dis has double Ember Imp with Drumble, uh, double Control of the Week, Gateway, Arise, Snudge, Lash. I mean, it's it's pretty nasty. The um, so it has like crazy Mars or crazy shadows, crazy disc, but the the key is actually like the Mars set, which um, if if they don't pick up on that, it can be really punishing because it has double grabber jammer, jammer pack, uh, triple Yixley Marauder, which is the Mars guy who when you play it, you capture one on him for each ready Mars creature, and then he gets plus one power for each amber on him. Um, so and then it has a psychic network which you steal one for every ready mars creature so it could be again like a bursty play um but the other cool thing is like because it has these mars guys the guys that pick up on it know hey i can't leave the mars guys alive in this matchup but it's awkward when you've got double ember amp and uh you know a drumble with your amber and um you know it, it, it like just sets you up a dodger and naughty like all these guys who are who are threatening you but you got to kill these little mars guys because they the potential is crazy so it's one of my favorite decks it's definitely the deck i've played the most and i've had the most success with so we knew i would i was going to play that one and then the question was the other two slots and we went around and around and um as a team it's like you guys each had a deck um uh you know kevin had chloe uh which has you know some Infernus, Eddie, four by four, crazy action. Uh, you've got the woman battler, long past something or other. Um, that, yeah, you know, um, and uh, and we had some success with that, um, and so went back and forth trying to decide, and ultimately landed on, you know, I, I'm like I could, do, I I did, I practiced with all those decks and I tried different things, but ultimately like. I felt like I had better chance at success playing decks that I know really well, um, that I've played a lot, that I don't have to think about or look at the deck list or make stupid mistakes because you just do it once and remember. So, ended up landing on like basically two decks I've just opened. All, all the decks that you know I played were were decks I've opened in packs. Um, so I played Artelis of Amber Market, which is like a very classic like Coda Rush time traveler. Um, thing with a little bit of control with double Ember Imp and Dis, um, but like double Nature's Call, Dust Pixie, Witch of the Eye, um, bursty stuff. Um, and then for my third deck, I did a Worlds Collide deck that had a lower sass, but I've played a ton called Early of Nightbridge Graveyard and talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but it has Quadruple Harmonia uh, with Key Charge and Obsidian Charge or Obsidian Forge. So double Key Cheat with Harmonia is getting like sometimes like crazy amounts of burst um i can just like explode um and uh with a ronnie and a tmtp 
The Shadow Sweep is actually like the worst part of the deck because it's pretty much just like those two cards, like Ronnie and Team TP, and the rest are like super mediocre. But um, I just have a lot of reps on it, and it can burst a lot. It goes, it tends to like win fast or lose fast, which I like in a deck. Um, so that's that's what I landed on those those three decks. Yeah, I think just like you said, where you were talking about the other two decks that we kind of brought up, and I think we were just trying to get too cute with like, well, do you bring a super high sass deck to the triad in hopes that they ban that one and just like you said it 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 seemed like it was just smarter just to give you three decks that you felt really confident with and um yeah i think that was a great gut kind of decision that we're like you know we trust you and i think it paid off for sure so yeah you had tons of reps on the other three so i think that made all the sense in the world yeah um, and hey, don't knock, don't knock Graveyard Shadows too much. There is two Hawks in there, and that's a big deal. Okay, the double Hawk is good, but a lot of times like it's awkward if they don't play Artifacts because if I drop an Obsidian Forge early on and I play Hawk, I have to destroy my own Obsidian Forge, which feels bad. Yeah, that makes sense. So sometimes it's of- like, do I want to do this for two Amber or do I discard it? Do I want to keep this key cheat? Like, so that, that can be a little frustrating. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about that one. It has the uh, the the greater Oxtet, the taunt this guy who at the end of every round you have to purge a card from your hand and then you get plus two power. I, and I've actually learned to love it because when I get like the Inky Gloom card in my hand and I've got him out, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm just cycling my cycling my hand and also thinning my deck to get to uh, the cards I need to like really burst and uh, yeah. Because it has double evil eye too, so it has some, like some some interesting control options. But, um, yeah. Um, so yeah. Any any uh, do you want to talk about any highlights? I know you you are actually if you want to see some of Jim's game gameplay, you can go on to Kip Kip's YouTube channel, and they actually featured you in a in a particular match. Um, so you can see some of that. But any any highlights for you? Yeah, definitely. I can give a quick rundown. So. Uh... The first first phase of the tournament was six rounds, uh, Swiss. And so if you went five and one or six no, you definitely qualified. And if you went four and two, you had like a 50-50 shot of getting there. And so for the first six rounds, I actually went four and two um, in adaptive. And that was with my first two rounds being losses. Um, so I think tournament started at like 11 a.m. I think I woke up at 1046 the day of the <laughs> tournament. Uh, just to stress you guys out, I was actually playing my first game like while like brewing my pot of coffee. And because um, you thought it started <laughs> at noon, so we were like, it was like three minutes before. Like, and Kevin and I were like, you're like, all right, here we go, guys. And you're like, wait, it starts at eleven. It's like, oh my god. Look, my job in the team is to a keep you guys in your toes and b give you all all the confidence in the world that you all have your lives together. Oh my god. As I'm over here playing Key Forge and like steaming up some coffee, uh, so I did lose the first two rounds. By no means was it because I was distracted. They were, you know, two really good players who just outplayed me. I, that I may th- say the coffee thing is a joke, um, but yeah, I, th- I think the biggest one for me was that round four that actually is on YouTube, which I can talk about a little bit. Um, so that one was this really cool deck that had like a Helmsman Spear and uh, just really fast Star Alliance cycle. And so uh, that deck won both of the first two games against Amaya. They were okay close, but it's kind of once that Star Alliance got rolling, it just there was no way to stop it. I think the first game I had a pretty good chance to win, but I tried to get too cute with like a too much to protect into a Night Forge victory. 
rather than just cycling those cards. And he was able to cycle quick enough to play a stealth mode and then cycle it back again. So I never had the chance to actually steal with those cards. And so I definitely dug myself into a hole. And again, if you want to watch that, it's there. Um, totally misplay on my part. Um, game two, I was able to cycle and do really well there. That game went super fast. And then game three, I want to say it either went to four or six chains. I don't remember the exact number. But to me, it seemed very low. I was willing to go to about eight, I think. Um, I think once you get past the threshold of, you know, you're now two cards lower, that's when it really starts to hurt. Uh, but again, where you have to evaluate these decks is at what point does your spice hit? And so for that deck, it's when can you stick a Star Alliance board? And so I was willing to go much higher and just try to cycle as quickly as I could to get Helmsman Spears rolling because uh, that card's like Fight Reap. You can discard any number of cards from your hand and then draw that many cards. And so you can keep playing these Star Alliance turns. And it doesn't matter if you have chains or not, essentially. Um, so I, I was willing to go pretty high. Like I said, I think he stopped at six, I want to say. It could have been um, and played a really tight back and forth game, uh, which was a lot of fun. And it actually ended with a wild wormhole, uh, go team wormhole, uh, huh. into a stealth mode with like a one in six chance to hit it. I mean, it was just silly uh, that I needed exactly that to prevent the steal, and I got to win the game because of it. Uh, and I, like I said, I think we've talked about this a lot just between ourselves. I think our favorite part about this whole tournament was the team aspect of it. Oh, yeah. Because we just got to go crazy. You know what I mean? It's like you hit that one six. It's like a Hearthstone mechanics over here, just like pulling the random like one in a million shot playing to your out and actually getting it. Uh, but it's really cool. That that was definitely my favorite game. Because uh, like I said, it was a game three. We needed it. Uh, every single one of our matches went two and one or one and two. I mean, there was no blowouts either way. Um, pretty much all of us went to three games. It was, it's just the narrowest of margins. And so to be able to pull that one out was really fun to kind of start that day too um, and get the ball rolling. So, yeah, I think at that point, um, as I say, feel free to, t I'll have you actually talk a little more about the whole team, how we did once you go over your games. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that one was really great. Uh, the other great one that I, I just love playing was round six. Um, we got to play against Team Reef Out Earth. Um, awesome guys. I'm sure you're going to talk about your matchup as well. Um, but I got to go up against Firesock, who's one of like the coolest players ever. He's out of Australia. Uh, he was telling me it was like 6 a.m. his time while we were playing, which is like, dude, you're a legend for that, and I stand by it. <laughs> um, and he, I mean, it was just top level key for just getting to play that and i actually was you know fortunate enough to get that win i mean it was just such a cool experience just to get that opportunity pull out a win um ended up losing that round but that's okay but just to yeah get a pretty high profile victory like that really good for like the feel goods i guess to kind of close out a really fun uh uh swiss rounds so yeah yeah that's where i was at so yeah how about how about yours what did your rounds look like yeah so um just a couple couple things like i'll just highlight um one is so i went six and one over the whole tournament i went five and one in like the swiss rounds and then i did win our top 16 i guess spoiler alert we made top 16 we went five yeah, and, we, did. we went five and one in swiss somehow and we were shocked absolutely shocked we were three and oh day one and uh we only lost our last round of swiss uh on day or day one B, whatever you want to call it. And so we were already guaranteed top 16. It was, it was wild, like absolutely wild. So, um, 
But like personally, so I went to, and then my one loss was to Dave Cordero uh, again when we played Reap Out Earth, um, which doesn't doesn't hurt too bad because he's obviously a phenomenal player. But I do want to highlight he he was playing some insane deck where when I had Artelis, I was able to play Desenia to discard four cards in his archives, including a Data Forge, um, and get four Amber out of that and like burst, and that just felt really great like <laughs> it's one of those desania plays with it because he had two two eddies out and it was like yeah okay this feels good um I, <laughs> I i was able to pull one game off of him but he definitely beat me the other two pretty handily um so uh as far as like what decks were banned this this is what's uh pretty interesting so out of my seven matches um artelis my like time traveler coda rush deck was banned once uh, Cartier, uh, which I think is my best deck, was banned three times. And then Early Nightbridge Graveyard was banned three times. So it was banned. My lowest rated deck was uh, banned three times. And it was always interesting talking to my opponents about like why they decided to ban that one in particular at, after we were done with the match, if they stuck around. Um, and it was for lots of different reasons, but whether it was just the crazy ru- like rush that four Harmonias gives you, because basically every time you go wide with your battle line you know you're just handing me amber because of the harmonious um and uh or like the double hawk like some decks were like really artifact dependent and double hawk scared them um but for whatever reason like yeah so graveyard got banned three times and then i was just pulling up my deck stats to look at like how the decks did overall like uh in the mat or in all my matches and cartier i was four and one with cartier Six and four with Artelis, and then three and three with uh, Early Nightbridge Graveyard. So, um, uh, so yeah. So I just thought it's interesting. Like, again, Cartier being my most comfortable deck, like that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I would I would play that deck anywhere, anytime, um, and feel pretty good about it. Um, but yeah, um, let's see what else. Um, as far as like interesting games, like I, I had great opponents. Like literally every guy I played um, was extremely gracious and. Uh, just fun to play against, especially going to game three every time. But um, there was one game, I believe it was Ned Mike. Um, I, I'm I'm hoping I got this right. My memory's a little fuzzy because it was a week ago. But um, against Ned Mike and do you remember their team name? Uh, was it the team we played first round, like in the Sweet Sixteen? No. Okay. Um. It was the Bears or something. Oh. It's like. Uh, yeah, is it ABG or AGR? Um, I should have pulled this yeah. up. Yeah, I, I, I know who you're talking about. That was a round five opponent, um, which actually was two weeks ago. So not a surprise, your brain's fuzzy. Was it really two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago. Yeah. What? Did, what did we? Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm like now I'm like pulling up challenge to see because I want to like get this right, but. Um, uh, anyways, so it got down. It was like crazy, and this is this is the cool thing about like the team dynamic. They encouraged and they set up rooms for your team to like hop in, um, uh, hop in like a group chat, and like once you were done with like a particular um, match, like you could hop in. Yeah, it was ABR the Eldest Bears. That's right. I knew it was uh, something okay. with bears. Yeah, the Eldest Bears, which I love. Um, you could you could like we could talk to each other the whole time and like get advice or like give input on each other's plays and like. 
So at this point, like I think both of you guys were done with your matches, and you came over to mine, and it was like game three, like great match, and it was just fun talking to each other. Like it was one of those things like you couldn't do this in real life worlds, like you couldn't be in each other's ears and like encourage each other and like talk about plays, or if you won, you couldn't all start screaming because that would be like terrible sportsmanship. Um, <laughs> but we could like online. So it was just it's fun. So in this particular one, like I was playing, he had. Some untamed burst where it had like Chota, uh, and he already like key cheated twice, and it was down to like the third key. This is Cartier, and like literally like every single play, I was like control the weak. Like what do I push him into? Um, every single turn mattered so much. And finally, like after like cycling my deck, I got this uh, play where I was able to play Yixley Marauder, uh, two different ones, and they each captured two amber putting him like one amber short of being able to like burst up and Chota for the win and giving me the win next round. So it, it was just like one of those like crazy moments where you're like, I'm like sweating and shaking and I know like one, one wrong play and it's over. Um, but it was like really great competitive key chart or key forge that I really, really enjoyed. So, um, so yeah, so that was really fun. And then, yeah, uh, uh, Getting to top 16, um, again, we, we played against the Utah Vapors, uh, who ended up getting second in the whole thing. So I think that kind of uh, lends um, a little bit of, like, reassurance to us. Like, have, losing them in top 16, they get all the way to the finals and lose to Team Sass. Um, they're obviously, like, really talented. and uh, But I was able to, to sneak the triad win away from them. Um, and I'm actually – I've uploaded one game. I recorded it and then did commentary later because I don't like to – live commentate on my own play in a like competitive environment because it's too much um but i'll be posting like, the other games as well um here shortly once i can record that but that was that was a lot of fun and I, honestly i just enjoyed the whole experience like getting to have like a really competitive keyforge experience um in the middle of like lockdown quarantine was just something else man like i just feel like it gave me so much joy and hope like in the middle of a time that doesn't have a lot of that. So that was really cool. Yeah, completely agree. I was just such a fun way to kind of all come together. It's a huge celebration of the community. Um, like you said, I mean, such a great group of people uh, just to kind of celebrate this game that we all love. And everyone was so positive. I, even after we played Utah Vapors, it was just fun to talk to them afterwards because that was a unique matchup because they released the deck lists for everybody. Yeah. And a so week, a week, week before, long, yeah. Yeah, all, all week long, we were just repping against those decks, and it was fun to talk to them after the match and be like, how did y'all prepare? How did y'all strategize? And just to hear the similarities of, like, the ridiculous things that each of us did to try to get the advantage over the other and just, you know, such a fun experience that I, I don't think you can replicate. So just a very unique uh, gem in this weird uh, weird time that we're in. So yep. absolutely loved it. Hundred percent, man. Any any uh, any other final comments about Shadow Worlds? I think for me, um, it it's just got me like excited about the day when <laughs> we can all sit across from each other at real tables and uh, play competitive events again, uh, and Vault Tours and Primes and Vault Warriors and all that stuff. It. it like there's part of me that's like, is this ever gonna happen? Um, I know it will eventually, but uh, yeah, I think I think for me, I just I got excited about, it. especially with like a new set coming out soon. Um, 
I was just like, man, like Key Forge is amazing. And just the fact that there were 225 people participating in this event. And like there were some that tried to qualify that couldn't, you know, so it might have even been bigger without qualifiers. Um, yeah, I just thought that was that was really cool. Yeah, I guess my last thought on Shadow Worlds, um, just because I know we are running pretty long on time at this point. Uh, I am going to need some help dealing with tokens in the future. I've been so blessed <laughs> to not have to deal with tokens on my own, and it just does it for you. Uh, I'm not going to know what to do. Uh, it's like, what are these golden amber pieces? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> uh, so that, that'll be interesting to try to get back into live play because it just goes so fast so efficient yeah. uh it'll be a fun transition but that was kind of my last fun thought there so yeah I, again, I, I don't miss shuffling decks i really don't <laughs> yeah like you can't mess up those cards and some of them were even foil cards it was super great of them so yeah very yeah. fun love it so sweet all Good right stuff. let's get to uh the last last few segments here so next up um We've done this the past couple times. We'll give a quick recap. Is the Wild Reversal event, exchange, what do we call it? Wild Reversal challenge. Uh, matchup, challenge. I yes. love it. Sounds good. Uh, but yeah, quick recap for you guys. Uh, so the last week that we did a podcast, the Wild Reversal challenge was a multiple Wild Wormhole deck. Um, so we both had to look at, you know, deck lists that had at least two Wild Wormholes. I think both of ours had at least three, actually, and uh, at least a 62 SAS score. And so that was a really fun matchup. Uh, please go check that out on YouTube because, again, that is the first and potentially only time you will witness me beating D-House in Keyforge. Oh, wow. Uh, Spoiler alert. Jeez. Oh, it's okay. I mean, the gameplay itself it is mediocre at best, but the, the final result, uh, just wait till the end. Is all I can say. Yeah, the the final moment <laughs> of that game was probably my one of my favorites, and it was almost beautiful. <laughs> Could have been. Uh, we'll we'll see if it we'll see if it was. So uh, yeah, definitely go check that out. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited for what this next week has to offer. Uh, since I picked the Wild Wormhole uh, Wild Reversal Challenge, I think you're up next. Do you have some spots that you've been working on? I am. So, yeah, so if you haven't picked up, we, we, we alternate weeks, and we get to choose the deck stipulations for the, the Wild Reversal. And um, I I wasn't even sure if this existed, but I, I double-checked, and it, do, it does. Uh, one of my favorite things to, uh, to do in Keyforge is to play this artifact called Strange Gizmo. And you know the gizmo, right, Jim? Oh, we know the gizmo. Strange gizmo artifact says after you forge a key, destroy each creature and artifact. Everything dies. You animal. You animal. Everything dies. And I love to pull it off. And then my my line I go to is, you've been gizmoed. <laughs> and I, I really enjoy it. And I miss that part about real life key forge that we need to get back to. So you've been, you been gizmoed. So uh, turns out, Jim that they did not put a limit of only one strange gizmo on decks. <laughs> there I love where this is going. Multiple strange gizmo decks do exist and uh and so our wild reversal is you have to pick a deck for me with multiple strange gizmo strange gizmos and I'll do the same for you. And 
the minimum sass to make it interesting has to be 72. Whoa. That's right. You should went from 62 to 72. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're we're going we're going with uh it makes it even harder to choose like a good a good sass deck that you don't think I can win with with double gizmo. And stipulations are of course, if you call logos and you have the strange gizmo in hand, you must play it. You can't you you can't opt to discard it or archive it. The gizmos have to hit have to hit the table. So we're gonna have I gizmos blowing up gizmos, and it's it's gonna be uh, yeah. Oh, this could get spicy. There's so many good cards to pair with this. My brain's already rolling. I, <laughs> I'm ecstatic. I mean, you have the play the you know shadows creatures that when they die, you, they you know I get to steal amber from you. All sorts of goodness. Yeah, you but know. you don't get to pick your own deck. That's the thing. Oh, I know, but I get to pick this for you. And like knowing that you have to suffer with that, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm looking this card up right now. It is, in fact, in each of the three sets that have already been released. So isn't that great? Everything's on the table. Yep, double gizmo, or, or triple. I didn't actually look if there's triple gizmos. If there is, it might have to happen. That's like that's straight up nonsense. You know what? I can <laughs> I can search this right right where I'm looking. Is there decks with three copies of Strange Gizmo? Oh my gosh, scene? there are seven decks. There are seven decks with triple gizmo. Do any of them have a 72 SAS score? There's a 76 and a 75. I'm not saying we're strictly going to pick those two decks, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. One of the, one of these people have been uh, have been uh, you know playing it playing it a lot. So yeah, it's probably the guy who made up the phrase "you just got gizmo." Triple gizmo. Like, how do you even like that? What a that'd be. It'd be so hard to do well with playing around that all the time. But I'm sure they figured it out. I just love the thought of like the two gizmos triggering at the same time too. Like you're dead and you're double dead. Gizmo. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, so good. This will be great. Um, all right, so yeah, so we'll we'll do that. We'll record it. We'll throw it on YouTube, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that. Um, we because of time, we're not going to do a king potato this week. Um, we all know Jim can't guess it anyway, so why even bother? This um, is really for my benefit, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Plus, D House is king potato, like the king. Oh my goodness. So. <laughs> um, and then uh, last but not least, uh, when uh, Call Dis- Call of Discovery was doing some some live Twitch coverage of Shadow Worlds. Uh, they they got up on the uh, the mic and uh, started beef with uh, three different podcasts and they threw us in the middle of it and so we are officially at, at war with the call of discovery. I didn't I didn't warn you about this, Jim, but it's time to prepare yourself for um for for podcast wars. Wow, call you, discovery, it's going down. Yeah, you officially hate them, just for the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's all it takes. Interesting. Yep. Okay, this gets spicy. Uh, so, inter- so maybe every episode we can talk about the we can we can talk about something we don't like about them. I think that's a great place to start. I heard that Call of Discovery is the same people that are still keeping Long John Silver's in business. <gasps> Animals. Heard it here first. Wow. Well, that's that's enough. That's enough beef to last last this episode. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, before we sign out, be sure to check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash the wild wormhole. We're also streaming a little bit on Twitch at the wild wormhole. There's actually, I feel like there's a ton of new Twitch um, uh, Keyforge streamers popping up all the time. So be sure to follow the Keyforge category and, 
and do some follows and and subscriptions and all that let's show the world that keyforge is a great game and we've we've got uh you know lots of content to share i dig it sweet any closing thoughts uh nope but i will i will finish with the flavor text on strange gizmo which is of course why did we make this again because you just got gizmoed you got giz- that's i think about i think i think that about the wild wormhole podcast in general like why why do we do this what what does anybody listen to all right all right cool thanks jim we'll see you guys peace guys bye